And welcome to a special Sunday coffee on Saturday afternoon. I'm Bart Gregory along with Charlie Winfield. Game one in the book in the State Farm Classic over in Arlington, Texas, and Mississippi State, an 8-3 win today over Texas. Charlie, recording a little bit early today. Sims has a baseball tournament tomorrow in Brandon, and so I kind of had to get out of town. But it's good to talk about a big, big win to start the season. Well, it certainly is. In fact, uh, I assume you've already called Omaha, made your reservations. Yes, uh, I have. We, we're winning the league. No, it's, isn't it a lot more fun to kind of knee-jerk after a win yeah, than to knee-jerk after a loss? Everybody's so overzealous. Here's the thing we don't need to do. We don't need to bring out the bandwagon out of the closet. Okay, <laughs> let's, leave. Let's, let's leave it alone right now. Hey, Charlie, before we go any further, I'd like to remind everybody, we're brought to you by Cannon Ford of Startwell. Cannon Ford, located on Highway 182, just east of town here in Starkville, Cannon Ford, if you're in the market for a new or used car, go by and check them out. Cannon Ford of Starkville, your place if you're in the market for a car or need any kind of work to your car. You know, looking back today, and so much has been looked for and forward to for this game, for this weekend, you know, so much has gone on in the last year. And, of course, state baseball expected to be really good this year. You know, Texas is ranked number nine in the country coming in. And we talk about that matchup of Christian McLeod, Ty Madden, of how that matchup would go. Charlie, I look, you know, in the first inning, Madden came out and looked like the dude that we knew he was going to be. And he, he got ahead of batters. He was quickly 0-2. But I thought everything completely changed in the game with one at bat, and that was Luke Hancock with a walk in the second inning. Really interesting because in that first inning, you know, Rowdy works the count full, then gets a fastball blown past him. Cameron James works the count full, and then Madden ultimately goes off speed and gets him with a slider, I think. And then Tanner Allen strikes out looking, and you're like, oh, boy. And then you go to the second inning. You got a ground out to second. You got a, a fly out to center field. And then it's the walk that just kind of got things going. And then you go back to back to back on singles. I go back to the thing is I thought Madden had really good stuff. <laughs> He's got a lot of talent, but he couldn't locate. He could not throw a strike with his secondary pitches. I look back, and maybe I'm overanalyzing this, but I think that's the reason we do what we do, and that's the great thing about the game of baseball. There's so many momentum shifts, and it's all sequential. You know, you wonder about an at-bat. We talk about the at-bat by Hancock of being able to spoil and, and not offer at the breaking balls down, but you ask yourself the question. You talk about Cameron James striking out swinging on the breaking ball down and away. Okay, in the first inning, you kind of wonder if that's that aha moment of guys. Let me tell you, if we're swinging at balls down and out of the zone, this guy's going to eat us up. Is this the time when you get everybody together and say, if it's a slider, spit on it? Well, and you think back, we've talked over the past few weeks. Think about that trip out to Oregon. Yeah. Right, where we struck out 18 times in a game. 17 against the starting pitcher, and that was the one where the comment was made that he could have been spinning it from second base and we wouldn't have picked it up. Our, our hitters, I thought, made a great adjustment today. Being able to show discipline early in the season, that's tough to do. We talked about that. What did we say uh, even a couple of weeks ago? What strikes fear in your heart is the idea with a good slider, a guy with a good slider early in the year because it's hard to be disciplined. We figured that out. We made him bring the fastball in the zone, and then we just started turning him around. Is that a byproduct of seeing good live pitching here early in the season? 
Yeah, it really felt like it, didn't it? Absolutely. I thought, you know, for, for Madden, and going back to the point, and what he was trying to do, you know, with two outs in that second inning, is he was trying to get ahead with his breaking ball, and he tried to do it with back-to-back batters. And so what happens is you take that pitch, you end up walking with Hancock, and then you get a base hit. And instead of hitting in 0-2 counts, you're hitting in 2-0 counts, 2-1 counts. You know the fastball is coming. And in this league, at this level, 97 is big time. 96 is really good. But at this level, if you know 96 and 97 is coming, and I'm sitting dead red on it, Landon Jordan can turn around 97. And I thought that was the big point in the second inning. You jump out to that big lead or the lead of two to nothing. And then all of a sudden, you, you ask yourself the question about Ty Madden. This guy is big time. What's he been hearing for the last year? Hey, top five draft pick. Big time arm. He's the best of the best. All American. You kind of wonder what's going on in his head in the second inning when he's trying to throw 97 by somebody and it's coming right back at him because all those hits were right back up the middle. And I can't find my spin on my slider. What do you do? I can't throw my slider. I feel like I can't throw my fastball. And all of a sudden, your head starts swimming. And he throws 47 pitches in the first two innings. So talk, too, about the discipline that Mississippi State at the plate. The approach was great. Not only are they letting those sliders go past. I hate this phrase, but I'm going to use it anyway. What do we say all the time? Not trying to do too much. Yep. You didn't have, from DeBrule, Jordan, McGowan right there, you didn't have hero at bats. You didn't have guys thinking launch angle and let's try to get this thing out of here. You had guys being very disciplined, bat straight to the ball, straight back up the middle, and you put two runs on the board. And all of a sudden you got Madden. I mean, it's in his head at that point. It has to be. And I'll tell you something that also has to be in your head. And you look back to, you know, a couple of years ago when we went to the World Series and you had Marshall Gilbert batting in your nine spot in the order, you didn't have a break. You didn't. If you're on the mound, I don't have a break. If I'm in the second inning, I strike out the side to start the first inning, and I get the first two quick outs in the second. And all of a sudden, I got Luke Hancock at the plate. Okay, I fall behind. From a mental standpoint, when you've got guy after guy after guy, and it's the bottom of the order. I've always I've talked to pitchers a lot, and they say when the bottom of the order does the damage, it's almost like it's double because you fought your way through the top of the order. It's that mental stress, and now it's not like you try to let up, but in the back of your mind, hey, I'm working at the seven-hole hitter right here. And when the seven-hole hitter and the eight-hole hitter are delivering for you in the second inning, it can put you on a tailspin if you're standing out on the mound. Because what is it you think all the time when the eight, nine guys are up there, throw strikes? Yep. You know, don't don't do anything silly here. I thought the, so the second inning was big. I thought we were going to let Madden off the hook in the third. You know, he had run his pitch counts up by his inability to locate. We get to the third in, what, a six-pitch inning? Yep, six-pitch inning. You know, Cameron grounded out first pitch. Then Allen struck out swinging on a one-two breaking ball. And then the first pitch swinging, Hatcher grounded out to the second baseman. So he threw six pitches. And all of a sudden, he'd gone from 47-2 and two to 53-3. and three, And now he's kind of back on track. Yeah, and then in the fourth, how big is it to get that home run? No, I thought it was good, but I'll tell you what, I go back to the bottom of the third inning when, you know, you give up the two-out single, Kennedy comes up, and you get the big strikeout. Just a huge strikeout right there from McLeod. You've gotten the lead, now you're in the bottom of the third. They get the single to kind of keep the inning alive, but you get a big strikeout on a 3-2 pitch. That was a huge pitch. If you throw a ball right there and you walk, it's first and second, two outs. 
tying you're run, at the heart of the order. Yeah, tying runs are on base, and you got the heart of the order coming up. In that spot, that 3-2 pitch to get that strikeout swinging of Kennedy in the bottom of the third, but then you say in the top of the fourth, able to expand the lead in the fourth inning. Luke Hancock with that line drive, that kind of got you going again, and it got Madden off kilter again. Yeah, and then even after the home run, what do you do? You get back-to-back walks back in his head a little bit, right? Because And here's what's interesting. You go back to that first inning for Madden. His first two strikeouts were on 3-2 pitches. Then he gives up the home run to Hancock with one out in the fourth. He walks to Brule on a 3-2 pitch, walks Landon Jordan on a 3-2 pitch after being ahead in the count. Then, you know, you're able to get the error, get another run home. For me in baseball, there's something magic about being up four runs. You know, that fourth run, because there's like no swing that can beat you at that point. There's something just mentally to baseball players about being up four instead of three. I thought that error and the run score really big deal. And then you come up the top of the fifth inning, Hancock with an RBI single. We did everything with two outs again. And you add to that lead, you take a 5 nothing lead. And, Charlie, I'm going to be honest with you. 5 nothing lead, and you had McLeod on the mound. Mentally, I was going to the house right then. I mean, we're up 5 nothing, And then in the bottom of the fifth inning, you see what teams can do in a hurry. Melendez – Homer's to left center field to, to lead off the inning. Then you got the double, the single, the shortstop, the single to left field. You had the bases loaded, you know, that run home. And McLeod, you know you're not going to go deep with McLeod in this game. And what have we talked about? So many coaches talk about, hey, there are definitions of closers, and there are guys who are closer mentalities. I want to bring them in. And what you think could be the biggest at bats of a ball game, and sometimes they happen in the sixth inning, sometimes they happen in the eighth. Today it happened in the fifth, and bringing Landon Sims in with bases loaded, nobody out, you're up five to one, but that thing can get away from you in a hurry. And my goodness, he came in there and he looked like Brett Cleveland to me. His mannerisms out on the mound—that's the guy that stuck with me today. You remember Brett Cleveland throwing that glove and pumping that chest over in, in Hoover that day? That's exactly what Landon Sims looked like to me. The thing about it for me—you talk about the mentality of a closer. What it really comes down to is what is the defining point of the ball game, and that was going to be the defining point. It felt like at the time. I actually sent a message to several people. And I said, if I give you right now, as Sims was warming up, that we lead five to three, that he allows two runs, and we get into the dugout up five three, how many people are taking that deal? I would. I take it. It was unanimous. Everybody was taking it. I wasn't on that text group. Why was I not on that text group? Are you texting a lot of groups without me in it? Yeah, apparently. Okay. So the thing is, that's a point really realistically when a guy comes in from the bullpen, bases loaded, nobody out. You aren't asking him to get out of it unscathed. That's not even your mentality, typically. We're limiting damage here. Yes. I mean, you basically have to almost come in with the mindset of, that guy on second scored, i got to keep the guy on first from scoring. And that's typically the case. It wasn't the case with Landon Sims. I thought he made some really big pitches. And a lot is going to be talked about him coming in and throwing the fastballs and getting the outs because it was pretty much all fastball in that inning. But he was down 3-1 to the first battery face, Todd. And the ability to locate the 3-1 pitch to get it close enough to get the foul ball to get it to 3-2, and then you get to strike out swing for the first out. Okay, that's the first thing. You come out your, your first time of the year. You trot in from the bullpen. You've got the bases loaded. What's it do to you if you walk that first guy on that 3-1 pitch? 
but you got out of it. You struck the first guy out. Kennedy struck out next on an 0-2. And then the third guy, you had the same situation. You go 3-1 to Antico, and you get a strike called and a strike swinging to get out of that inning. So you had out of those first three batters. I know it was great to come in and get the three strikeouts, but two of the three, you went 3-1. And the ability to throw that 3-1 pitch in that situation, that's big time. Against the top three hitters in the order. I mean, we were at the top of the order with those guys. And here's the thing, too. Texas, a lot is going to be made about the fact that Texas swung at some pitches that were out of the zone. right? But that's what you do when a guy is that electric. I mean, Sims fastball was riding. I mean, it was it was holding its plane. Those guys never saw it. The RPMs on those, oh, probably crazy. I'd love to see the stats on on um, on rotations with Landon Sims in that inning. So then you go to the top sixth. We're able to add another run to it. Landon Jordan walks. McGowan another big single on a two-two pitch, and then Rowdy it was crazy play. They had first and third. He hits the ground ball. They try to get the double play. They drop it at first. Rowdy takes a step towards second. I never got a replay, so I really don't know. But you're able to get that run back. That's, that was the big thing. Is Yeah, Texas got the run. They kind of had it shoved back at them a little bit. You talk about momentum swings in baseball games. When you take that 6-1 lead to 6, that was the nail. That was, that, was the, that was the game. Ball game over. Yeah, and if there was any doubt, you come back in the bottom half of the inning. Ground out, strike out, strike out. So, Charlie, we come back. We had two runs, two in the eighth. Rowdy Jordan homers to left field. Hatcher gets his first hit with a double down the line. That's the thing. You know, Tanner Allen wearing the, uh, as you pointed out on Twitter, (laughs) the wide receiver shorts. (laughs) (laughs) You got to go back to, like, the old uh, Chicago White Sox to find that short, right? No, I don't think anybody's ever worn (laughs) anything like that. That was, like, softball, men's softball league pitcher style. He scored from first. He He did. He had great great wheels. He singled and Hatcher doubled, and we end up, you know, pushing the lead out to to 8-1. They come in and get two runs in the ninth inning. Now, here's where I think that's big is, you know, Riley Self in the ninth inning. They got to Riley a little bit. They, they they tagged him a little bit. He gave up the only walk of the day in that ninth inning. Melendez doubled left field line. Ardwan singled up the middle. And then we go to Spencer Price. You probably didn't want to heat up Spencer Price, but we did. We had to. And you kind of felt like you had to bring him in that game at 8-3. to three. But nonetheless, I'll take it. I don't want to overanalyze this game. I don't want to get too high about this game and over-sensationalize this game. It's not like I'm. we talked about a minute ago, booking rooms to Omaha. That's the thing about the game of baseball is you can't get too high, you can't get too low. All right, so let's do this. Uh, takes from the ball game. All right, first of all, let me ask you a couple of things. Number one, lineups. What did you think about the lineup? So much has been talked about who's going to play left, who's going to play third. I was not at all surprised by who played third today. No, not You're at all. facing a righty. You got a left-handed hitter, a guy who's been through it. That was exactly what I expected. Um, How about McGowan? Here's where I'm on McGowan. He was in the lineup when the season ended last year. Yes. He started two games against Quinnipiac late in the year. He plays and performs well against Texas Tech down in Biloxi. I mean, he's the guy that nobody has talked about. And so it's almost like the safe pick. You you know what I'm saying? I mean, you could have gone Pimentel there, but in a big ballpark – Defense is going to be a big key. You just nailed it. That is a huge issue. Look out at that outfield. It's massive. It's a big old place. 
It's got some funny curves and corners in it. You can get some strange angles. you got to cover a lot of ground out there. I think it's a game where we should not be surprised at all that Lamonis picks a guy who's known as one of your better defensive outfielders. I had no problems with the lineup whatsoever. You had seven left-handed hitters in the lineup because Rowdy's going to turn around and bat from the left side. Here's the, here's the problem with getting to a guy like Madden so early when you get him out of there in the fourth inning and all of a sudden they bring in the left-hander. Now, that was the big surprise. You know, bringing in Hanson. I'm blown away by that. I, could, I thought he'd be starting tomorrow. I thought he was going to be tomorrow's starter. I really did. I mean, and that's a big-time pitcher that they went to in the fifth. But you have to understand what goes with it. And that's one of the things we're not going to know before a lot of games this year is they were actually talking about how he's had COVID. They're trying to work him back a little bit. and That's the thing in the behind the scenes that a lot of people just don't know. And because on paper, he's your number two guy. Not only do they not know, it's not from a lack of effort. Nobody's telling you. You you just can't find those things out. But I am surprised they brought him in the game at that point. I'm very surprised, even if I'm trying to get my number two guy some work, I am surprised when it's a 5-1 game of I'm trying to bring that guy back in or 4 nothing or whenever it was. Usually when you have, you know, when, when you're down by four in the middle innings, those fourth, fifth, and sixth are you're trying to figure out how to get back in it. You want a guy to kind of keep it where it is, but you sometimes one of those down-the-line guys because you got two more games left. So I was very surprised that Texas went with Hanson that early. All right, so another question for you. We talk a lot about using the DH spot for matchups and kind of the odd man out guy. Today you go with the catcher uh, with Luke Hancock as your DH. He goes three for four. Now you're going to face a lefty tomorrow. Big, hard-throwing lefty, we expect. Is Luke Hancock back in your order? Yes, and I'm going back to the, the point a minute ago about when you get Madden out so early is you don't want to make that switch in your lineup. So not like all of a sudden I want to start emptying my bench with right-handed hitters in the fourth inning. I can't do that. And so you do have some patience. You can't take it, a guy out of the lineup who goes three for four. And you? so the third at bat for Hatcher, the third at bat for T.A., even though T.A. came in first pitch swing, it goes the other way. So, I mean, that kind of limits a little bit on your left-handed guys. That that really takes the bat out of a hands, maybe a Scotty DeBrule or some of those guys. But I thought Hancock, the home run, the double, so much has been made about his approach to play today. I thought his approach with two strikes in his third at bat of going down, keeping – everything short, hands back, and going a single in the center field. I know it was a soft single in the center field, but that showed me a lot about the maturation of Luke Hancock. He didn't go up there hacking and swinging. He worked the count and had a really good two-strike approach. So now going back to tomorrow, and that's the thing about baseball, and that's going back to the point of you can't get too high, you can't get too low. This is going to be a different lineup tomorrow because you are going to have TCU throwing that big 6'9 left-hander you're probably not going to see McGowan out left field. You might not. I would I would be surprised if you saw McGowan in left field. I might be surprised if you see Landon Jordan third tomorrow. You don't know. Hancock, does he catch tomorrow? Does well, Logan that's the thing. Is, 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 is Logan Tanner your DH? You've got so many different options there, but and you're going the to way, see. Logan uh, Tanner was uh, really good. That's almost like a different subject. That's all I could do a 15-minute segment on Logan Tanner today. He was so good. It's one of the things that that I think people who don't really get into baseball will never see is how good a job he did at earning strike calls for our pitchers today. 
I thought, first of all, it's quiet hands. It's not herky-jerky. You remember the old days when you try to frame pitches? You know, you frame pitches and you jerk it back. And then it moved to the sticking pitches of, okay, I'm going to stick and hold. And now it's almost everything is kind of moved to the point of having quiet hands. It's, it's just effortless is what it is. And then you go to the point of how many pitches does that steal you per game? Having the quiet hands. And just watch his hands when he's working behind the plate. It's awesome. But I thought in the eighth inning today, we got a strikeout for the final out of that eighth inning that was down in the zone that John Bramer, who had been a high ball umpire all day long, we finally got a call down in the zone. And I think it was just because of the quiet hands of Logan Tanner. Boy, he did have a high zone early, didn't he? He did. And and I saw that call, and that had the exact same reaction you did, which is that is a catcher doing a really good job. You know, We tend to think of catchers as blocking the baseball, not letting it go past them, things of that nature. He blocks it fine. Didn't have to block a ton today, but he receives the ball so well, and that's such an art that people don't understand. We talk so many times about catchers who are able to earn strikes for their pitchers. There's a lot of times you've got catchers who cost your pitcher strikes. They'll turn a strike into a ball more times than the other way around. But I tell you what it does. I tell you what it does. It gives so much confidence to the guy standing out on the mound, knowing when I need to spin a breaking ball down that I've got a guy back there that's going to block it up, that I've got a concrete wall back there. I have a completely different mindset in my mind of how I snap that thing off. Oh, absolutely. So I I was really impressed by the job he did behind the plate today. I mean, look, we were good defensively all the way around, but I think his play is one of those that doesn't always jump out to people, but I thought he was outstanding. Okay, overall, here's the thing that jumps out to me about today is we looked like a team that was comfortable. We didn't have any guys up there – hacking away a lot of times early in the season you see guys try to quote unquote do too much we didn't I thought when you when you look at the stats and how everything breaks down in the game and you see how the lineups break down in the game okay Rowdy Jordan one for five Cameron James 0 for five Tanner Allen two for five Josh Hatcher one for five double and that lasted bad Tanner Logan one for four but man look at the bottom of the order Luke Hancock three for four Scotty DeBrule one for four Landon Jordan, one for three. Drew McGowan, two for four. I mean, you had guys in the bottom of your order. And you know what else they did at the bottom of the order, Bart? They weren't striking out. No. First three times through the order, they didn't strike out in the bottom four of the order. You had a couple late in the ball game when it was already decided. And so what's the big thing about the guys at the bottom? They also, I think, walked four or five times among those guys. Yep. And so what what is the thing you want to do? You want to extend the inning. You want to make the pitcher work. If you go back... The innings where we ran up their pitch count, it was at the bottom of the order. Those guys were having good quality at-bats. All five walks came between your five and the eight spot in the order. Okay, All five of your walks. You look at all your hits. At one time in the game, and this was when Scotty DeBrule was at the plate, and it was seventh inning maybe. At one time, we were two for 20 and one through five at the plate. And then six through nine, we were seven for nine at the plate. It was so you go back to that point we talked about a little bit ago about what it does to you mentally if you're a starting pitcher when the bottom of the order is the one doing the damage. It's it's got to be tough. Okay, so now let's switch gears. Tomorrow we play again. TCU, we talked about it coming in this week, Charlie. TCU is a team that is probably one of the most senior laden teams in college baseball. They're going to go with a big left-hander, 6-9 left-hander, 2 years off of Tommy John. 
had a really good start to the season last year. So you kind of wonder. I mean, he, he's the first big look from the left side. That's the thing about Texas today. We saw some left-handed pitchers, but we saw nothing to what we were going to see tomorrow. So what are you looking for tomorrow at 11 a.m. against TCU? Well, I think one thing you're going to be seeing is a different lineup, right? We're going to see a different Mississippi State team out there tomorrow. We talked about this coming in. Look, baseball is different every single day because so much depends on the guy who goes out there on the mound and throws it up there. It just is different. And so we can sit here today and talk about Landon Sims and how he struck out, what, like 10 of 12? You know, something absolutely phenomenal. And the good start you got through four innings for McLeod. But tomorrow, those guys aren't there. We've talked about the depth we've had. Somebody else has got to go do it now. And by the way, isn't that one of the big things, the importance of actually doing it? There's been so much talk all year yes. about all these teams. And this, I think that goes back to a little bit of Madden too, right, for Texas. is It's one thing to be talked about as an All-American. It's another to go out and be one. I thought Mississippi State had some guys go out there and do it today. And I think it's huge, by the way, and I'm getting away from your point, but I think it's huge – that you had some guys step up and do it who weren't even your marquee guys. I think Ron Polk, what's he always talk about, hitting being contagious. I think success is contagious. I think it's so important for us to have gone out and for a team that's had to hear, think about if you're one of the hitters. All we've heard is how great the pitchers are. Don't you know one or two of those guys are going back to the hotel tonight kind of, you know what, we can hit a little bit too. Yeah. How do you like playing at 11 a.m.? I love it. When you're playing in a tournament, I love it. And here's the reason why. My game time is set. Yes, for your starting pitchers and everything else, I'd rather know what I'm doing than to have to sit in a cafe down the sidelines and wait to see what's happening. Yeah, I saw some Arkansas guys. They were probably coaching staff, guys down there scouting. They were sitting there, and they play at 7 o'clock tonight. We're supposed to play at 7 o'clock tonight. It's just a different feel when baseball is going on before you. Sometimes you're sitting around the hotel. You're watching the games yourself. You're like, oh, that guy's good. and It kind of messes with your mind a little bit sitting around all day. I like getting it out of the way early. But uh, I want to get back to your question because I, I got off your point. But you asked me, what do I expect to see tomorrow? Um, good news, we're back at 11, right? So yep. we're, in a, we're in our normal routine, it, albeit a different time of day. You're not having to sit and wait. Look, we got another guy who's got to go out there and do it in Bednar. You know, he's got a ton of stuff, but he's got to go put it together on the mound tomorrow. I feel good about it, but it's another thing. you got to sit back and do it. I think you're going to see a different lineup. I would be surprised if Cumbus doesn't get the start. May even see Forsyth get a start over at third tomorrow. Yep, should be awesome. How great is it for these guys to get the experience to play in that ballpark? New ballpark. They spent a ton of money on it. Roof, played indoors. I it's mean, got to be cool to hit a home run in that part, doesn't it? Oh, man. You know, I, I think about some of the, the cool home runs with, without being in postseason. I thought Gavin Collins hitting a home run at Dodger Stadium. He was an L.A. guy, hit a home run at Dodger Stadium. And then you come to a ballpark where they just had the World Series and you hit a home run there. Even though it's not full. I'll tell you this, though. Had you not had the situation of 25% in the ballpark, I think we'd had a really big crowd. And you had a very good crowd considering just how hard it was to get there. Yeah. And so, hey, Charlie, enjoyed it. Hey, we're brought to you once again on uh, our Sunday coffee this week by Cannon Ford of Startville. Cannon Ford, if you're in the market for a new or used car, man, it's, it's all it's crazy. I was out there the other day. They had four trucks that came off the truck 
and Chris King called me two days later and said that all four were sold. <laughs> I mean, as soon as they're getting vehicles in, they're selling them. And so even if you go by and you don't see what you want, they can order whatever you want. I mean, they can make the, this almost like Build-A-Bear. You can build a truck. You can build a car. Whatever you want, they get it for you. And they'll order it for you. They'll bring it to you. They'll bring it to you if you want it. So if you um, – I had and somebody – Chris is such a great guy to Chris deal is with. a great dude. My parents, well, last week, they were going wherever. My mom and dad are both retired, out for the nice little afternoon drive, riding around making sure everybody's at home, doing what they're supposed to be doing. Deer hits them in the side. They take it to Chris Keene. They get it fixed at the body shop. They do a phenomenal job. And so Cannon Ford of Startville, no doubt your place. Anytime you need anything from body shop, service center, or buying a new car, that's Cannon Ford of Startville. All right, Charlie. So you're guaranteeing 60-0 and 0 now? Can't win them all if you don't win the first one. <laughs> oh, here we go. My goodness. Everybody just calm down. It's going to be a long season. But gum, I don't like Texas. That was fun. No, absolutely. So that'll do it. Sunday coffee here on a Saturday afternoon. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us and make sure to listen this week. We had a great talk this past week on out of left field with Gene Morgan, former Bulldog pitcher. And this week we finally kind of get into season mode. State, of course, not playing the Tuesday afternoon game against Jackson State. They postponed that game or canceled that game. They'll play on Wednesday at home against Jackson State at 4 o'clock. And then next Friday, Saturday, Sunday, of course, against the Tulane Green Wave. This weekend, Sunday, tomorrow, you've got TCU at 11 o'clock. And then on Monday, Texas Tech at 11 o'clock. Mississippi State still out uh, in Arlington, Texas, but a big win today, 8-3 to over Texas. Appreciate you guys listening.